The scripture reading for this morning is from John chapter 13. We're going to look at verses 1 through 15 and then verses 34 and 35. Hear now the word of the Lord. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and had put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. You might lift us up and show us more of your love and your grace in your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, wrapping up our series, doctrine is being connecting heart, right? It has to be internalized. It has to be a pro that serves. In Mark chapter 11, uh, Jesus enacts this parable when he curses a fig tree. Remember that story? Jesus curses this fig tree because there are no figs on it. But Mark says in the story, it wasn't the time for figs. And so you're like, what in the world? But if you, if you understand fig trees the way everyone listening to Jesus would have understood fig trees, you would have known that it was, okay, it's time of Passover, it's late March, early April, the time for the primary harvest of, of figs, the, the real harvest, the good stuff, was coming, but by that time of the year, there should have been these little knobs, you know, these little present, that meant a harvest was to come. There would be figs. Of love. If there's none of that, then you really need to question, no matter how leafy it looks, no matter how much they talk about loving one another, you really need to ask, is there anything there? He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, this is this is humility. This is a posture of humility. Especially when you understand more about the, the cultural context. It was, it was common. It was, it was an act of hospitality for someone who was hosting a meal to provide a way for his guests to have their feet washed. But here's the thing. A, a Jewish person hosting a meal would never himself 
wash the person, you know, the guest's feet. Nor would he have any other Jewish person wash the guest's feet. Not even a Jewish servant or even a Jewish slave. And we have to hold a conversation about slavery in, in the Bible. More like indentured servitude, not chattel slavery. But anyway, the bottom line is not even a Jewish slave in that household would be permitted to wash the feet of a guest. It was only a Gentile slave who would wash the feet of a guest when they showed up. And what is Jesus doing here? The, the king of the universe, the ruler of all creation, the son of God, the Lord of eternity, the, the one before whom every knee in heaven and earth and under the earth will bow, his knee bows. He picks up the basin. He picks up the towel. And he washes the feet of his disciples. So let me ask you, is there anything that you think you're above doing? Oh, right? That's basically the question that Jesus is asking when you get down to verse 12. After he put on his outer garments, do you understand what I've done for you? Verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord and you are right, for so I am. If I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Is there anything, if Jesus isn't above Adopting this posture of humility to do this act of service out of love, is there anything that we ought to consider ourselves above doing? You know, sometimes we're tempted to say, well, that's, that's not my spiritual gift. Do you need a spiritual gift to pick up a basin and towel? Now, the fact of the matter is, some of you are gifted spiritually in ways that you've not yet discovered. You have a particular gift, a, a spirit-empowered ability that you have yet to discover to uniquely and especially bless people through acts of service. The best way to identify those gifts is to get busy serving, to put yourself in places, to seek out opportunities to serve. As you do, you may discover, man, there's something, there's something going on here that's more than just me being a faithful Christian picking up a basin and towel and serving. These people are uniquely blessed in such a way that God's at work. I am so thankful, right? That's spiritual giftedness. Be looking for that, but be willing to just adopt a posture of humility whether you have got gifts like that or not. Because that's what Jesus is calling us all to be about. Love that Serves. And he links, he links his serving with his love in, at the end of the passage, verses 34 and 35. After he has said, just as I have done for you with the basin and the towel, he says, just as I have loved you, so too you are to love one another. That washing of the disciples' feet was a very tangible way that he served them. It was an anticipatory way because it pointed to the cross, but it was a very tangible way that he served them that was itself a demonstration of his love for them. And he said to them, as I've done for you, out of love, you too are to, out of love, serve one another. Love serves from a posture of humility. Second, love serves with intentionality. Why do I say that? Because he washed their feet. He didn't try to come up with some, you know, simple, symbolic way to drive this point home. Their feet were dirty. They needed to be washed for the sake of everybody in the room. 
These guys walked, you know, either with bare feet or with sandals along dusty, dirty roads that were littered with animal feces, right? They needed their feet washed. Jesus was very intentional about meeting them at a point of need and serving them there. This is why, oh, I gotta be careful. This, this is why I think foot washing ceremonies are a bad idea. A, the disciples never say this should be a perpetual practice of the church. There's absolutely zero reason to think this should be a sacrament. But B, Jesus would say, you are so missing the point. It's not about the foot washing. It's about what the foot washing represents. Meeting someone with intentionality from a posture of humility in order to serve them at a point of particular need. <laughs> Love serves with intentionality. Jesus was very practical about connecting his service with a need. So let me tell you for a second about our care team. Our care team is re reforming and, and reorganizing, refocusing on this, on connecting people with need with those who are able to help. In other words, the care team at Grace Church exists to help you be intentional, to help you serve with intentionality. That's the way that they want to serve the body, is by helping the body serve with intentionality. So you're going to be hearing more from the care team in the weeks and months to come as they continue to get organized and, and uh, be ready to do the things they're doing, get some systems in place. You'll be hearing more from them. In the meantime, if you're like, I want to be part of the care team, then let me know. Uh, Will Morris, Will, raise your hand. Talk to Will. Robin, raise your hand. Who else is here from the care team? Hey, just people that are raising their hand. Just go find them. Rich Kennedy. And I don't have my glasses on, so I can't tell who's back there. Somebody's, I see a hand. Jorge Cahiga, there we go, thank you. Any of these folks, reach out to them if you want to be part of just helping build this team because you've got a, a passion for seeing people who are connecting with one another in that way. But love serves with intentionality. Oh, and don't wait. Don't wait for the care team to get organized to serve. There are simple ways that you can serve right now. I might... Gaze just went over. I saw Corrine Avery. I saw Corrine Avery here yesterday morning. She was getting her Sunday school class set up. I went in there and I said, thank you so much, Corrine, for being in here and being willing to teach children Sunday school. And she said, you know what? I see this as a way for me to invest in these kids, to build into them. It's just a way for me to serve them. That's, that's care. That's intentional service from a place of love. So, Kurt, raise your hand, because we're always looking for more people to help with, with Sunday school and nursery and the like. Love serves with intentionality. Love serves, third, indiscriminately. Did you catch who's still present at the table? Judas. And Jesus knew what Judas was up to. Look with me again at the passage. Verse 2, during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. And then jump down to verse 11. For Jesus knew who was to betray him. And that was why he said, not all of you are clean. And yet, Jesus washed Judas' feet. He washed the feet of the one who would betray him. He washed the feet of his enemy. Why did Jesus wash Judas's feet? 
Well, there may have been some purpose for Judas, but I can tell you what it was for the disciples and for all of us. It was to make sure that we knew that we're to wash everybody's feet. Everyone's feet. Now, that requires discernment, doesn't it? If you are being abused by someone, the best way you can serve that person is to turn him in so that the law can work, you and others can be protected, and hopefully through the, the functioning of the law and the conviction if, if, uh, you know, that, that should come, that person will be humbled and repent before God. So love needs to be discerning, but, but Jesus says, love your enemies. Love them. Where that, what that challenges in each of us is this, am I only willing to, to serve the people who will appreciate it? Am I, am I only willing to serve the people who will say, oh, thank you, you are so awesome. <laughs> if that's the case, let me just ask, who are you really serving? If you're only willing to serve the people who are going to really appreciate you for it, are you serving them or are you serving you? Finally, fourth, love serves out of love for Jesus Christ. Jesus is setting an example for his disciples here, but he's also teaching them a very important spiritual lesson, and that's what Peter discovers. So take a look with me back at verses 6 through 10. Verse 6 Jesus came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. That's after the cross. After Jesus goes to the cross and, and gives them the full picture of what he is previewing for them here. What I'm doing now, you don't yet understand. That's verse 7, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Here's the spiritual lesson. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Peter said, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And I picture Peter going, going to have to think that one through. <laughs> Not because of anything wrong with Peter, but simply because Peter was on that side of the cross. We're on this side of the cross. And so we can understand, okay, now I get it. Jesus went to the cross so that his blood could be shed, so that we could be made clean. Because it's not just our feet, it's our hearts that need to be cleansed. And so what Jesus was saying to Peter is, Peter, unless I wash you, symbolically here, anticipating the spiritual reality to come, Unless I wash you, you will have no part of me. And then further spiritual illustration that Peter couldn't have understood. We wouldn't have either if we had been there. But now this side of the cross we do. When he says, okay, then wash everything. <laughs> and, and Jesus says, listen, if you've, been, if you've been washed, you're already clean. If you've been forgiven by me. You are forgiven. It's just your feet that continue to be washed. In other words, we continue to sin. We have need to come before God for, for cleansing, but fundamentally, we're forgiven. We're cleansed. That's the spiritual reality that's being uh, represented by what Jesus is doing here in this passage. Jesus is saying to Peter, Peter, I love you. I love you. I've cleansed you. I'm serving you in this way just because I love you. I called you. 
But there's something deeper going on here in terms of my demonstration of my love for you. It's pointing to this even greater revelation of my love, Peter, that I have had for you from all eternity. Jesus said to Nathaniel, I saw you under the fig tree. Jesus could say to every one of his own, he can say to you, if your faith is in him for your salvation, I saw you before you were born. I knew you from before the foundation of the world. The Father, this is Ephesians 1, my Father chose you in me before the foundation of the world. Before you even knew anything about me, I knew you and I loved you. I set my love upon you. And the cross is the revelation of that love. That's the spiritual reality that's being pointed to here. So let me ask you this question as we wrap up. Are you willing to be cleansed by Jesus? Are you willing to be cleansed by Jesus? You think the disciples' feet were a mess? You know your heart, and I know mine. Jesus does too. He came knowing your heart. He came knowing your sin. He came ready to go to the cross to offer a cleansing that no basin and towel and water could ever accomplish. Only his blood could bring the cleansing that your heart needs. And Jesus is telling you here, will you let me wash you? Will you let me wash you? If you've never come to that place of saying, here I am, I don't even know the half of how messed up I am, Jesus, but I know enough to know I need you. Would you cleanse me? Jesus will come to you and say, you don't know the half of what it means to be loved by me. I'm ready to love you. I'm ready to forgive you. Just put your trust in me. And if that is a decision that you made decades ago, maybe, do you remember that Jesus is ever ready to bring that cleansing renewal that is rooted in his accomplished work for you, that is grounded in his acceptance of you already. But he's ready to keep bringing that cleansing, keep bringing that renewal, so that you will ever be growing in your, I'm going to use the word knowledge, but also experience of, your, of his love for you. And I, I use that because I'm just going gonna, gonna to read this passage real quick. I love this verse. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. I'm going to go back to 14. Paul prays, and this, this is it, guys. This is our prayer if we want the gospel more and more on the heart. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, that is the love of Christ, you're rooted, God is, the Spirit has planted you in that soil, the, the reality of the love of Christ that will always provide the nourishment that's needed for growth in your life that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ and that Greek word for knowing is a relational knowing it's the same kind of knowledge that Adam had of his wife it's not just intellectual knowledge it's relational knowledge that you would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God when Jesus picked up the basin and the towel and washed the disciples' feet, 
It was a preview of the cross, and it was an invitation to pray that the love that was demonstrated for you on the cross would become such an internal reality that out of that reality, there's just this love that overflows into the lives of other people. Love serves from a posture of humility. Love serves with intentionality. Love serves indiscriminately. And then finally, love serves out of love for Jesus Christ. After Jesus washed his disciples' feet, remember, he put on his outer garments, he took his place back at the table, and he said to his disciples, do you understand what I have done to you? In a church where gospel culture is alive and growing, the Christians in that church say, yeah, I get it. I get it. You're showing me how much you love me, and you're reminding me that love serves. I get it. Help me live it. Let's make that our prayer. Let's make it our prayer as a church that we will get it because we don't, not, not to the degree that Jesus wants us to get it. What we experience of his love and his grace for us now is nothing compared to what we'll know for all eternity. But because of his sanctifying work in our lives, we get to experience more and more of as we grow. So let's pray. Let's pray for ourselves, pray for one another, that we'll really get it. More and more, we'll get it. And that by his grace, we'll live it. Let's pray. Father, we, we come before you with that prayer. Lord, we ask that you would help us to get it. Lord, would you help us to behold with wonder your love for us, such that you would go to the cross, not just to wash our feet, but to wash us from our sin, the stains that we could never remove. Lord, and, and you've removed them. You continue to wash us and make us clean. You give us that great gift of repentance that we might turn from our sin, confessing it to you, experiencing more of your healing touch in our lives, the forgiveness that we do not deserve. But as we talked about in our prayer time this morning, you are on a hair trigger to forgive. So Lord, would you help us to embrace the reality of your grace? And then would you help us to live it out in fellowship with one another? And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.